And we're rolling. Welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you too. Um, not going to lie to the people out there, but this is our Poker Podcast 1.2. We're refilming this from our first time. It was a good podcast, but now we're just kind of making some edits, changing the lighting, stuff like this. So I'm excited to see how this one turns out. But welcome, Andre. Good to see you, buddy. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me here again. Mate, my absolute pleasure. It was such a great conversation we had. For sure. We have a lot of great conversations, actually. Mm. Um, and now starting this podcast, it gives me an opportunity to show these great conversations to a larger audience yeah so that's what i'm looking to do awesome but hey introduce yourself and tell the people who you are well um i'm andre from russia uh and i'm a photographer slash a videographer and and i run a company called best in hell that's uh, that's what i do all right and when did you start best in hell uh i started best in hell in 2019 just uh you know during the first periods of the COVID 19 whatnot great time to start yeah amazing time to start so yeah i started during that time and yeah it's been going now until until today and it's going good ups and downs but i think it's going quite well good awesome to hear thank you and what what pushed you in that direction to starting best in hell so um when i moved uh, back from London, I moved to Finland and I was looking for a job to do photography and videography because I was working in a social media company and I was there as a as the main photographer. And the thing is, like when you moved, when I moved back to Finland, I was, you know, wanting to continue my passion with photography and videography. But the problem is that when you go on a job search and start searching for jobs as a photographer or videographer, there was only two results. And actually one of them, I think, was in Turku. And I came back to Helsinki and I was saying like, either you're going to be a passport photographer or a school photographer. And I wasn't quite sure that that's something that I would want to do. Like no offense to uh, passport photographers out there, but, <laughs> but I'm just saying that it's just not what, what, that's not my passion. My passion is more with, you know, meeting uh, restaurant owners and doing food photography, restaurants and social media. And that's just like how it kind of naturally started. Okay, so how did your passion for photography start? Did it start at a young age or is this something that you came it's, to develop over a period of time? Uh, that's kind of, it's going to be a quite, quite a good one because I kind of thought that like when I was about in my teenage years, I thought like I'll get like chicks if I have a camera and I'm going to be a photographer. <laughs> Not going to lie. That's like how it all started. And like I already had like a DSLR, like a very very bad DSLR at the age of like 15 and I was already like taking lots of photos at like parties that people were throwing and I was taking already trying different things with like friends and headshots and kind of like sports shots because I was also do skateboarding so I was kind of doing photos and videos of that as well and then when it came time to like when I was turning 18 and I was just finishing school I had to decide of you know what to pursue and kind of like you have the pressure from your family to you know go to study something and I actually never thought I'm gonna go study photography but I was like well I'm doing this already like I kind of like it so I'm just gonna do that and yeah that's how I ended up in England and I started studying photography interesting so you studied in London uh studied in Norwich it's in like Norwich a, it's like okay. a small small city and you moved there 
just by yourself yeah, or yeah by myself yeah awesome it was actually quite weird because i also i've never been to uk before and then i had to move there and then i chose the universities just at random because you know i had no idea what cities were and what they do so i just kind of chose you have to i think you had to choose five different universities so i just randomly chose five and out of those one of me one of them accepted me and uh yeah and then i just went on google maps and started discovering the city before i moved there amazing it's an <laughs> yeah. awesome story a, yeah. a lot of people don't have the courage to kind of just get up and move and just yeah. pick a random university and go all right we're doing this yeah yeah i it just yeah, i don't know that's kind of how i do things it's just like go for it and yeah i didn't have any second thoughts or anything that was just like it was something that i felt like i needed to do yeah and i felt like oh it's a new experience and you know, it's kind of easy as well. You move into England, like all my life I've been speaking English. So I didn't see any difficulties with that. And plus my my brother was just finishing his university degree in um, Nottingham. So technically, you know, same country. And I had some friends there as well who were studying. So kind of, I wasn't like exactly, of course I was moving on my own, but like I had people that I knew who moved there. And so didn't feel that. You know, right. unique to do that. And when did you move to Finland or when did you make the decision to move to Finland? Uh, I was moving back when the, well, there was a couple of things. There was like some personal stuff, but there was also the fact that there was the Brexit going on. The The rents are super high. Uh, you know, it wasn't kind of like a place where I could imagine myself living in 10, 20 years. Okay. But Finland, I always saw like my home and I thought that this is the place that I want to kind of like continue living and want to be here. I just okay. love everything about it. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of natural. Okay. And let's talk a little bit about how Best in Health started from from there. So you moved back to back to Finland. Um, you had this passion for photography. Mm. You couldn't really find work that had interest you rel mm. relative to your field in, in photography. So you decided to start your own business. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I decided to start my business to um, to kind of get work as a photographer, but the, the, the biggest problem was to, to start collecting a portfolio. Mm -hmm. Because um, as a photographer, you kind of always think that you should get paid for any work that you do. But getting paid work is actually not as easy as you might think, because you can't just be knocking on people's doors or like restaurants saying, look, I'm going to do some photos for you. You're going to pay me 200 euros, 300 euros. This is a random person coming up. You kind of want to give some kind of some kind of something to prove your work or something like some kind of a document of trust <laughs> to a person. So I, I had to kind of uh, start doing free work and I was going and I was telling you to, to do this before that, you know, I was going around writing to all restaurants and just kind of trying to get a free photo shoot with them. And I think that's actually how we started working together. That's exactly how we started working yeah. together. So, you know, just for those that don't know, Andre looks after all the photography and, and social media and this kind of thing, or or used to look after the social media, but mainly now focus on the photography, videography side of Momotoko restaurants and, and has done multiple projects with me um, outside of that. But yeah. we, we, yeah, we got introduced through you. I think you sent through a message on Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And uh, obviously you have a clear talent for photography and thank you. It, it was easy for me to recognize from that portfolio that you had developed that you could create content for, mm. for businesses that, you know, would be, would help them present product or present their services mm. in a, in the right light. 
Yeah, you're actually one of the first ones that actually offered a paid service. <laughs> awesome. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I was still, when, when I already contacted Momotoka, I already had a bit of uh, a bit of a portfolio. Like I was already working with some restaurants and I was already doing the free shoots. But then I thought, okay, now I have like already something to show. So as you said, like you could see in the work I've been doing. And that's that was kind of my point as well, is to collect that work with mm -hmm. Finnish brands and Finnish restaurants. Because whatever I did in England doesn't matter when you're in Finland. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have to make like your own image again in in, in, in Finland. And uh, there's also like, you, it's funny that you mentioned Instagram is because lots of people have always told me I'll have to like, like write emails or or send letters or call. That's my that's my favorite one. <laughs> call the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's you don't know who's working there at the moment. Just exactly. call them and ask, like, you know, we're just going to come over and do some photography. What do you think? Like. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, that's that's not gonna work. I mean, it's a very slight chance that's gonna work, but that's why like I I, I kind of went the path with the, the whole Instagram path because I realized like more and more businesses pay attention to to their Instagram, and usually the the owners are in charge of the Instagram. So, and the thing is, is there's also not many not many people writing to restaurants. There's like you know they might get like five messages a week, six messages a week, some places. And you know, if you're one of those messages and you're offering something unique, like photography, you're offering some kind of services, you can always link the pictures there. And I kind of feel like that's more effective. Yeah, that's really interesting because actually we haven't spoken about this before, but there was a period of time, um, maybe three to four years ago, where we were getting those kind of messages from photographers, videographers, social media managers quite often mm. to offer like a free service or a free photo shoot or whatever it might have been and that that really actually we haven't got so many of those inquiries over the last couple of years i don't know if that's because now the quality of our content has increased so people can see that we have a photographer so they don't kind of pursue us do you think that would be a factor like if you saw that there was a social media page that had you know high quality content would you contact them anyway or go okay there's obviously if, if no you see that's the thing if i see that the, the work is like spot on i usually would think that you know it's they they already have it i'm, I'm, I'm still will give it a try but i would try it knowing that there's a high chance that i'm not gonna get a yeah. positive response interesting yeah yeah for sure yeah we we spoke i think one of the biggest challenges and this goes for a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of industries that are related to like arts or, you know, photography, videography, one of the hardest things is turning your passions into a business. And I want to talk a little bit about that because I think there's a lot of interest for people out there that enjoy what they do on a daily basis, but they're not really sure how to monetize that. Mm. Um, I know that you had your challenges and, you know, let's call it growing pains mm. as your business developed and grew. Um, let's discuss that a little bit because I think it's a, a topic in which a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with and a lot of people that have, you know, hobbies that they do on a regular basis that want to monetize that, that hobby or that passion, it can be a challenge. Talk a little bit about how you, you know, the challenges that you faced when you first started your business and the decisions you made after you started. Well, the, the challenge was actually to find new clients or find paid work because uh, um, lots of uh, lots of people don't don't believe that they lots of restaurant owners or lots of businesses actually don't believe that they need good content. And 
it's kind of hard also to be proving them wrong because you know you're not exactly friends with the person that you don't know you're just being sending the messages to and asking them and you're like hey wait a second i'm gonna prove you wrong no like you have to you have to find find businesses who who believe that good photography and that good content is going to be good for their business so uh, some of the challenges was to find was to find the people who are on the same page as you and who believe in good content would you recommend partnering with someone or maybe contacting a company that can help you with the sales side well it, it really depends what what you're what you're trying to sell or what your passion is but there's always going to be an example that you can find so there's always going to be someone who has done it before and there's always going to be someone that you can kind of get some more inspiration ideas from you had your reference from london yeah right exactly so uh so how 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 i came up with this there's nothing like crazy new about uh an influencer based in based like based around in the city and also there's nothing new about social media marketing or helping out with instagram photos specifically instagram photos and uh so i kind of took the inspiration from from london's best and london food boy which is a big account two big accounts in london and um yeah uh, both of them have a huge following but i kind of just took that took some ideas took some things that i liked edited some things that i didn't like and just created my own thing and you can do that with, i think with with pretty much any passion or any hobby that you have there's always going to be maybe outside the country that you live in somewhere else today we have youtube we have the world wide web you can find the similar kind of person and you can kind of get some inspiration from it there is no there's no need to always like try to reinvent the wheel as they say you can always take some ideas you don't need to copy you can always be yourself but inspiration and how other people did it it's, you know learn it learn learn how the people did it yeah. and what they did I noticed one thing with Best in Hell is that you're heavily focused on supporting photographers or, or promoting photographers in, in the Helsinki region. Is that something that came from London also or is that kind of your own tweak on what London was doing? It, it's more of my own thing. The the building a community is kind of like my own thing and like because there's surprisingly not that many photographers in Finland. Uh, lots of people do take photos. The thing is, like, there's a certain amount of photographers that have a big following already, and then there's um, there's people who take very good photos, but they just don't get the same exposure, or they don't have the same following. So I kind of want to help those people get their numbers up and continue, like, you know, inspire them to continue doing what they're doing, because sometimes people, if they don't get the likes, which is kind of I, I think this is kind of wrong. That's why they have the whole thing with Instagram that, that doesn't show how many likes you get. Is that your work is uh, judged by these likes. The more likes, the better your work is. The less likes, the worse your work is. But there's honestly so many good photographers that post like one of the best photos I've seen and they get like 50 likes. Yeah. So for me, it's very important to kind of promote that and show other people, well, look at this. You know, there's, other, there's people who are tagging best in hell and have amazing photography. So That's awesome though. And I think... I've had this conversation very, very often with mm. other entrepreneurs, not only within the restaurant mm. industry, um, but you know, also within consulting, business management. One thing that I see really lacking in Finland is how entrepreneurs help each other. Mm. And for some reason, we have this ginormous competitive focus towards the guy next door. Whereas 
countries like Australia, of course, there's always that competitive side to people directly um, related to you or your business, but you also can find ways to compete with them on a different level than just the same product. And that's by things like exposing other uh, entrepreneurs or or, um, promoting other photographers in your case. I think that's something that all businesses should really do is find not only how they can present their product to customers, but how they can support the entrepreneurs around them. Do you think that's something that has helped Best in Hell become the social media platform that it's become? For sure. I, I, I think so. It, because working together and, and, and kind of like, because there's also a point what I'm trying to do here is like with the restaurants and with the photographers and me promoting it. It's like if if they do good, if restaurant does good, I do good as well. So and if and it, you know, I believe that it comes back. So if you do a good job and if you kind of, you know, you make things happen and you're just keeping positive, it will come back to you. So I'll get rewarded for it. And it's part of my portfolio. If a, if a restaurant does very well, you know, they go on some lists, they get, a, you know, they get noticed by more and more people. And I'm there, you know, from the beginning, helping them with the social media, doing all the photos and you know, get comments like, oh, I visit these guys because I love the photos. I'm like, there you go. The best in hell Instagram page has a little over 11,000, 11,500 yeah, followers. Yeah. How fast did that grow? Was that like a, was that an overnight thing? Did, was there a picture or a group of pictures that went viral or how did that progress? Oh, I love telling the story. I love telling the story. It's because uh, the thing is the name Best in Hell, it was, I, I, I made it like about three years ago and created the account. But the hashtag Best in Hell has been around for quite some time before I created the Best in Hell page. It's just this word that pe- this hashtag that people have been using already, like it's been lingering in the air a little bit. So, so when I started the page and said like tag us to be featured, there's lots of people already who have the tags. And I would write to them if I can use their photos and you know you have the, the hashtag Best in Hell. And from that, I just noticed that the hashtag started becoming more constant and it just like more people start using it. And then the thing is, is like Instagram kind of, I don't know how, how, how the algorithm works exactly, but some of the images will, will start getting like three, 4,000 likes. <laughs> and it's just like maybe because of my activity, because I was just crazy on my phone the whole time, like liking and looking for new people, following other accounts. But yeah, within like, I grew to my, my, my first 5,000 was, was the, the most difficult one. That was like a milestone for me. But yeah, it was, it was because the account, the, the hashtag already existed and people were using that word already. And it was kind of, kind of easy to just like make an account for the hashtag technically. So yeah. Hashtags are something that, you know, from my experience of social media is very, very minimal, um, apart from what I do and use for the businesses. Mm. How do the how do, are the hashtags more derived for categorization, or are they something that will like get you followers or, or get you likes, or what? What's your thought on, on hashtags as a whole and how businesses should use them? Um, the thing is, the the hashtag has to be something that that other people like to use. So, for for example, when we when we have the the best in hell, or there's like my Helsinki. Mm, there's a thing that you can now follow hashtags. So as you follow accounts, like you can follow any account you want, Ferrari or whatnot, but you can also uh, 
uh, follow on follow hashtag black and white. So whenever the photos they get put into this one, a library, like the big library of those hashtags. So there's a chance that people who are interested in a certain hashtag will see a post. Gotcha. So you don't have to be following like it's it's the fact that you don't have to be following an account to see a picture that I have with the hashtag. And uh, and if 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 a businesses are making it, so let's let's say you, you make a fitness product. You know there is a there's probably a thousand fitness products out there, and there's like different accounts that do fitness products or not. But if you use hashtag fitness, they all go into this one pile. And if a person is into follow is following fitness hashtag, they will see it. But the thing is, fitness hashtag is huge. <laughs> so seeing in like if you use those common ones. You have a, such a broad uh, amount of people that you're trying to reach out to. Whereas if you, have, if you if you try to go with smaller, so you make it like specific to a city, specific to maybe a country, maybe even smaller, then there's a higher chance that people can actually see it who are interested in your product. You know that, what I mean? Yeah, I, uh, 100% I know. And I think that's really interesting because so many businesses think, well, if I just hashtag food, yeah. then people are going to see me in the food category. But they forget that there's people that are more active than them, mm. that have more followers than them, that have more activity or more uh, engagement than them. So it, just because they hashtag food doesn't mean they're going to pop up in that, you know, mm. hashtag food category. But you would say then that the hashtags are more for a categorization than they are for deriving a following. Yeah, the following is almost like a a byproduct of being categorized in a specific area. Yeah, for sure. I think I think it definitely it's. Um it's uh, it's not about just the more hashtags you the, the growing. It's not important. Even if even if more people see it and you have you get more likes, you want to have, you know, you want those followers actually to be kind of like make sense because if if they're in another country and you're selling Finnish makara, like you don't need to have people in the U.S. to like your images and follow your page. You want people, you know, the ones in Finland. Who might be your customers using following you and liking your stuff yeah that's what you brought up there is is kind of leading into my next question because mm-hmm. one thing that we discuss a lot is how you mm, estimate or calculate your return on investment when it comes to marketing this is something that i evaluate on a regular basis with my businesses it's something that's very hard to do uh because even though you may have a huge amount of engagement for that photo you can't necessarily measure how many of those people that engage with that photo or engage with that product or whatever it might be actually walk into the shop and buy it or or uh, become a customer? How would you suggest that businesses utilize social media to converting those people that enjoy their content online to becoming customers within their restaurant or within their store or business? You can always do something um, specific for your followers. So the thing is that with Instagram, um, unless you do a sponsored post and you use hashtags, uh, your followers are going to be the ones who see your content. And that's why I always tell uh, people and accounts to be as active as possible. Because if you're not active on Instagram, your followers won't see your content anymore. That's how the algorithm works. So the less you post, the more you're visible to your followers. So if if you're going to be more active on your Instagram, Mm -hmm. all your followers will see your content. And you can do like specific offers or specific deals for your followers or any kind of like price draws 
or something that only your followers will see. And that way it's going to be more specific and you will know how many people out of those followers are actually engaging in what you do and are interested in what you do. Another thing that you can also do is you can kind of look at how the stories are working. So for example, for one of my clients, we see how the how the followers or like how it works, the, the social media and stuff works is by having uh, the followers posting stories about being in that place. So if we see that like, oh, this person keeps posting about being in this place and he's a follower. So there we go. We can kind of monetize. Well, we can not monetize. We can kind of calculate how often they go and stuff. Yeah. I sound very dumb today. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. It's the, it's the all. pizza. I just had two pizzas. <laughs> no, not, not at all, man. It, I, it's a very, it's a complex subject. Um, and social media as a whole is becoming, for businesses, I feel more diluted mm. as the amount of content increases. It's a, it's a concern that I have for our businesses. And I, I think about all the time where social media is going and and how my business is going to fit into that like you said creating prize draws or some kind of promotion specific for the customers that follow you to pull them in store uh, whether it be like a, a gift card giveaway or merchandise giveaway from a brand awareness aspect the main focus always has to be that that customer is going to be or, or that follower is going to be converted into a customer mm. it's a complex subject so you don't sound dumb yeah. at all it's <laughs> it's uh, it's you know some of the best marketers out there are still trying to figure out how to do that yeah um i've had a lot of interesting conversations lately about where social media is going mm. um where do you think that social media is heading and how can businesses use social media in the future to bring customers into their business um well i kind of think that since we are already using social media a lot, uh, there's going to be more things happening on, on, on Instagrams and the social media where, where um, companies will be able to sell products. So I kind of see that Instagram more and more is going to become like a, like a middleman. Like you already can see that, for example, you can buy clothing and whatnot through Instagram. Or you have like, if an a influencer or a person posts a photo, they can tag products and stuff there's already a new thing that they're starting to um to compete with other social media platforms such as like OnlyFans, where they have now we can have paid we're gonna you're gonna be able to have paid subscriptions to like certain brands or influencers well probably not brands but more of influencers or celebrities so you know you pay like five dollars a month and you have specific stories that no one else can view but only the paid subscriber can view so again instagram is gonna be taking money from that but i also think like Instagram can do things that like, imagine like a delivery app. Well, technically Instagram could be a delivery app already. Like there's lots of restaurants who are already on Instagram and there's already a button for order from here and it takes you to the, the ordering partners. But nothing is stopping them from just making their own delivery system. There's like lots of things that they can do, but they're kind of just like now building a database of, of followers and people but later on, it's it's not going to be long until they can start just like monetizing and making making new ventures and trying to, you know, get as much middleman money as possible. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you think that social media is more going to head towards a, a purchasing like 
or, or a shopping like platform than it is going to be you know a presentation what it is now a presentation of you know product and and services and so on and so forth yeah i think it's going to be more like you can buy services or you'll be able to buy things from direct from direct yeah through there yeah because it's, it's it's just the thing is it's like i mean instagram is a business for as itself as well and the the whole paying ads is soon not going to be enough for them they would like to have more money and by having more money, that means you need to have more things, more income, just like any other business. Mm. So by having those like other things that they do with these paid subscriptions and all of that, it's going to be other source of income for them. So I'm pretty sure that's what's going to be happening. Really interesting. I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, sure. Now we've been talking a little about the social media side, but I want to come back to your business and and uh, those steps that you took in starting it. Um, what were or what are the things that you would suggest people starting a new business from a passion that they have would avoid? Um, avoid fear. Yeah, be fearless. Because um, that's, that's one thing that I learned is that when you start to overthink about things, and when you start kind of like getting anxiety about, well, where, where should I do it? And not like, it's okay to make mistakes. And that's, you know, there's, when people say you learn in the hard way, like, it's it's not really a hard way that's like it's one way of learning it it's like i kind of just think that you if you're trying something and if your kind of gut says like i should do it and you start then calculating or estimating and kind of overthinking it too much and not getting sleep and just kind of like and then then there's a thing that if you just don't do it then mm. why i didn't do it like you know you start thinking overthinking it too much and that's that's one piece of advice i would give to everyone who's starting out their business like don't overthink it. And if something goes wrong, it's okay. <laughs> like there's, there's things you can fix. It's not like going to be something that, you know, that's the rest of your life. You're done. This podcast is a great example. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never interviewed people or, or yeah. you know, and I think for me, asking questions and leading questions about, you know, what you're doing and mm -hmm. to create content for this podcast, it's a huge fear of mine. And actually mm -hmm. I'm not a great public speaker. And I've been procrastinating doing some form of podcast for a while. Yeah. I thought, man, I'm just going to jump in. It's part of the reason why I wanted you as the first, because we have a ton of conversations. We talk mm. about random stuff all the time. I thought it'd be a good entry. And that's a really good point. Not having that or, or at least understanding that the fear is there, but it's holding you back and going, okay, I can get past this now and take one step, one step, one step, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, I, I just walked into Gigante and I was like, okay, I'm getting microphones. It's happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and it was just like, then, I, you know, progressive from there yeah. and taking that first step. So important. It's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. But if you get to that point, it, you know, it's really beneficial for the future. We've obviously had a lot of conversations about your business and about uh, from when you started. What now, we, you know, we spoke a little bit about your business grew pretty fast mm. and you went from, you know, zero clients to, you know, eight seven, odd, eight seven, eight, eight odd. Seven, eight, yeah. um, and you were managing the social media as well as doing the photography and videography, right? Mm -hmm. Is that something you regret? Yeah, because um, I kind of forget it because we were doing just a bit too many things and we weren't, we started not concentrating on, on, the, on the quality, but it was more about uh, the quantity. So the thing is, we actually, as I said, like there was, we were managing the social media sides, mm. 
uh, we were doing the photography, videography, uh, but we were just like also doing different things as well. So, so doing paid posts as well. And we're doing just lots of things that like, like, yeah, we were just doing too many things and we were just chasing the dollar. <laughs> chasing the dollar. And it was like, you got to the point that it's, I even like started not enjoying as much because you have like, to, in order to have eight, nine clients, eight, seven, nine clients, you can't just do it how I, we used to do it when we had one or two clients that you kind of just say, oh, we'll just come whenever, take the photos and, you know, get it up and running. You're actually quite limited for time. And everything has to be quite, quite, um, you know, quite nicely calculated and put into calendars and stuff like that. So when we um, when we had more and more clients and we had these one off shoots and stuff like that, we still we weren't saying no to anyone. Like we'd be like, OK, fine, we can we can do another shoot, we'll try and squeeze one more photo shoot in a day when we already have two client photo shoots. And that's like that's a problem because then like the quality cuts out the window. I would just have one to come there, get it over with and just move on to the next one. And that's a big no, no. That's not how we used to do it when we used to come to places and spend like a good four hours on taking as many photos as we can, you know, mm. taking our time. But it was becoming more rushed because of that schedule. And your passion, I mean, you started this business because you enjoyed and had passion for photography and videography. Yeah. And then you ended up in social media management mm. and that kind of direction that's and that's a normal thing for for a lot of businesses and a lot of entrepreneurs that start out they try to diversify their their offerings to make sure their business runs from a financial standpoint but it also creates this additional pressure and usually it leads to bringing on more staff and you know then you need more clients and then you need more photo shoots and then the quality drops and it's kind of like a snowball effect mm. from there because after that after you had started bringing on more clients you did bring on an intern, right? Mm. Yeah. So uh, I brought an intern, uh, another photographer, and we also had an SME who was writing the text and stuff because we we just there, there was too much of work and and uh, couldn't handle it. Couldn't handle it on my own. Had to had to get some someone else. And the thing is, there's also same time we also had a salesperson as well because there has to be someone looking for a sales. And because obviously we need we need more money. <laughs> but the thing is, is that, yeah, uh, uh, I couldn't be, I wasn't able to do all of that on my own. And that's why it was time to expand. So. Oh, no. Just changing my microphone settings by accident. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are you in the same ones as you were before? I think so. Anyway. Okay. But um, cool. Yeah. As you said, it's, or, you know, as I said before, it's a snowball effect of, mm of more clients you know you have to increase your capacity to serve a larger amount of people mm. you start diversifying your product and then you become really highly leveraged and then you had something that like corona that starts mm. and your business demand immediately drops off a cliff mm. and then you're stuck with really high you know fixed and variable expenses mm. that kind of then turn into like this oh shit Ryan, yeah, yeah, is that what happened? Is that, that what happened? That, that's exactly what turned into the oh shit, because the the thing is that like, oh my god, <laughs> is, let's just make sure it's okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. Is that like, um, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really protecting my business in terms of um, 
how many months a client has to be with me or not because I don't believe that's right to do in this right now during this pandemic it's just because I was actually uh, about to start working with one restaurant a week before you guys switched to working until six and then for them it's very important to be working late because a la carte and evening menu but like again like I kind of feel like a bad person if I'm gonna be like well we already have the contract and it's not my problem. <laughs> no, because the whole point is to help the business. <laughs> yeah, It's not to get the money, but it's to help the business. But yeah, there was no protection for my business in terms of contracts and whatnot. And during this time, as soon as like you see that restaurants are closing earlier or they have some restrictions or when it was like, yeah, especially when there was the restrictions, you kind of start noticing that, oh, we're in trouble now. Because lots of businesses also wanted to try to sell their, their stuff. So how would you mitigate that for the future? So hypothetically speaking, you, you, you know, tomorrow you go out there, you start your business the same way that you did before mm. approaching people through social media. Uh, and then you start to build a portfolio and a client base. How do you mitigate the growth and how do you control that? So that's a good, that's a good question. It's like, if we had a time, it's a, machine, it's, a, it's a time machine. What would you do different? Uh, I would take things a bit slower. I wouldn't try to to chase to become the next like next big company, next big thing. I would take things a bit more quiet, a bit more relaxed, and kind of think like not overthink what I do, but just kind of like concentrate on the quality more than the quantity. Because the thing is, like this is why this is what I've noticed in terms when you have the when you ask some photographers for, um, you know, high-end photographers for a quote. And they say like, yeah, so if I do a photo shoot, it's going to cost you 10 grand. And I'm kind of thinking like, that's a lot. Like that's, that's so much. I can do like, you know, one ten for that price. But this is why they're doing it. Is it because if you're ready to pay for that quality, they're going to give you the highest quality possible for that price. And they can do that because they can only get that one client per month and they're going to be perfectly fine. They're not going to get like hundreds of clients during that month. They're going to get 10. But this is the, this is the, this is like kind of like what, what I started to understand is that the quality is needed to be paid in high amounts. So the person like the photographer doing the work or anyone doing the work is going to give you the best quality possible. Is it, this is a really key aspect for, for startups, mm -hmm. this quality over quantity mm. aspect of business because quantity is not sustainable mm. as a new business because you can't the, the very few people can adjust their systems and their processes and their business operations to allow for an influx of quantity mm -hmm. but quality if you develop the quality side first implement the systems and processes into the business okay this is how we're going to take the next client okay mm. this is how we're going to do three clients all right now we've done three successfully we can do a fourth and if you start that way you can mm. maintain the quality over a period of time which of course leads to higher spend per customer mm. and from the restaurant perspective we treat it, treat it the same way right we have a certain amount of customers that we have per day how can we in increase the spend per person the spend mm. per seat the spend per head whatever mm. it might be it's a really it's a fundamental aspect to business it gets mm -hmm. lost and it's because it's so busy and it's so full on and when you start your own business there's so many stresses that come with it mm -hmm. and the decision making processes that come with it 
do you think that when you started your your business there would have been benefit to having someone around you that had done it before and could kind of guide you through that process or do you feel like it was more valuable to make those mistakes for yourself and then learn as you go well i'm i'm kind of here I'm going to say that i had both because i had a person who was kind of uh, my mentor in uh, in London, so he was kind of already there before I started the Best in Hell. So I was really learning so much from the person how he was running the business. You know, I was a photographer, but still, so I was with him and saw how he worked, what he was doing, how much effort he put in his work, and how much time he was putting in his work. But also, like these mistakes that I made, and obviously, I'm I, I'm so good at learning with, from mistakes because <laughs> that's all I do. <laughs> I make mistakes and I learn from them, and that's that's the best thing ever. I think there has to be there has to be both aspects because yeah. you have to be able to learn from mistakes. Mm. Um, but I definitely suggest for, for anyone starting a business to have conversations with people around them. Uh, I, I always try to develop a brain trust for mm. every project that I do. So I put a group of people together, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I talk to people about the specific topic and get an insight for how they've done it in their business or how they feel that this project should be delivered or whatever it might be. I think that the brain trust for startups is totally underrated. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it seems that the, having a board or having a brain trust is only something that businesses do really down the line. Mm-hmm. Most people have you know one person or two people they speak to on a regular basis for advice and help and stuff like this. But if you go into this, right, and you just, you go and buy six people a dinner and you sit down and go, right, this is the idea that I have. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. And just get like a table full of people to give you advice. That's already six people that, or six potential customers yeah. that you've received feedback from on how you're going to develop your business. And I think that's really valuable. Oh, for sure. For sure. Now, you bring up a very good point is that also it doesn't have to always be friends or family. You have to try to kind of get this table full of people that like, you know, you don't have constant regular conversation with because they're they're meaning they're they might think differently they might be more supportive or maybe the opposite but the thing is it has to be like people that you're not completely super close with and then that's going to give you like an honest review of how it's how my things might work out because uh, i've noticed like for example you know, when it comes to my parents they're just like can do anything in the world <laughs> of course well yeah. they, have, they have a biased opinion of yeah, yeah your yeah, capabilities yeah. and you know i don't i don't think any entrepreneur starting a business is incapable i think that there's just um a lack of awareness to the challenges that can arise mm. you know a lot of the people that i put together in these brain trusts let's call them many of them have failed over and over again mm. so at least you know some of the mistakes that they had made i can learn from yeah. um for sure Mm. I, I would repeat those mistakes that they had made on on some cases or some some occasions, but at least I'm aware of as much as possible starting the new business. Once you become, you know, what what would be considered like a serial entrepreneur, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you lose track of all of the projects that you're doing, and and then it's the same. But it's the same when you're a business owner, yeah. right? As you increase the amount of clients, you start to lose track. Yeah. You start to go. Oh shit, I was meant mm-hmm. to be at this photo shoot no. today. Oh my God, like I haven't scheduled that photo shoot for next week mm-hmm. or, you know, I haven't done any posts for this guy's social media. So 
it's relative to the experience of, of starting a business and going through that growth phase as an entrepreneur mm. and the decisions you make as you go. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. Like, I kind of still think like about those times and I kind of feel like, fuck, like, I've, like, you feel a bit like, like you let people down, you know, but the thing is, is that you, you kind of like I, how I think about it is like, just don't give up and keep, keep going. Cause, uh, these, these, these mistakes are made and it's not the end of the world. Like you, you can fix it. You can go back to the drawing board. You can make some adjustments and, you know, and just come back stronger and better. I, I want to talk a little bit about the financial aspect of business, which is not always the most comfortable subject, but I think it's important for entrepreneurs to get used to talking about how their business has done financially and the mistakes that they made as they went. You started this business from zero, mm. right? I assume you had no money in the bank, nothing. It was just like you started at all, no. you know, with the starting money and then you just went, okay, now I need customers. Yeah. When let's talk about strategic spending so you got the first income from your customer what was your next step from there and was that what you spent that money on was that something that improved the business or was it mainly derived around the fact that you had made your first sale and you're like pretty excited about it no so the first kind of the thing is that the camera i was using is the one the camera that you're using right now right so uh it's good for photos and stuff like that it's pretty old but um i had that camera with uh, with one lens actually when i just just uh yeah 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 that's the one <laughs> it's old but <laughs> let me let me let me get you even more excited about this because i haven't told you this before well the thing is before uh i only had this like fujifilm camera which is used for like portrait photography. It gives you like this um, more of a grainy old school look, if you say so. Like, so I was using that camera with, uh, with my grandparents, with my granddad's like manual lens and stuff like that. And that's what I use for portraits. So if you see some portraits on my personal Instagram, they're made with that because it just like gives like a very cool, nice effect. And, and when you edit the image, so that camera wasn't exactly good for, for the stuff in terms of like, autofocusing and like kind of working because when you go to when, when I go to restaurants and I try to do like as many photos as possible you need to have good autofocus uh you need to have good low light performance and that camera had none of it so I was actually borrowing camera from the youth center <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome in and there's a youth center uh, uh not how to use some other one like it's a youth center uh that I would go to and like borrow the camera for the free shoots to build up the portfolio. So, so uh, already like when the when I was doing the first first stuff that 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 was the camera that I was using because I bought it from my friend for like 400, 500 euros. But when I was starting to build the portfolio and some of the first work that I did, the free work that I did, and maybe even a couple of paid works that I did was actually with the rented camera that you rent from free from a youth center. So, of course, for me, the number one thing that really wasn't because you will start to understand this at some point. But one thing you will start to uh, realize is how how important the gear is when you're trying to make good content. Of course, some people are going to tell you it's all about the eye. But trust me, if you're doing low light photography with a camera that's not good with low light, it's very hard to do so. 
you can only get such a good picture with yeah. no lights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the and the thing is, is like we of course, like if I want to make a good portfolio, if I want to keep doing the quality, I need to make sure that that needs to go with the step up. So the first purchase, like after I bought that, that was still like in the early stages. I still bought that with my own money, five hundred, and the, I think the lens was one hundred twenty euros. But after that, the first purchase was that bad boy. <laughs> so as soon as I started getting money into the company, like I kind of thought that I need to upgrade the lens, the camera. Uh, I couldn't do video. Uh, I tried to do some video stuff. Even when I had some clients, I tried to do some video stuff with the with the camera that doesn't have autofocusing. So you can imagine how hard it is to do videos with no autofocusing. Almost the, impossible. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, 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 it gets a bit janky and no stabilizer and stuff like that. It, it, it kind of like... It just it's just harder and takes more time and you concentrate more on things that you shouldn't be concentrated on nowadays that's why that's that camera was such a good purchase and such an important purchase is that for videos for photography for kind of the quality of work i needed to have the best possible gear i also bought a drone which i which ended up in the lake but <laughs> i had it for some time i think there's a lot of drones in lakes these days <laughs> yeah. yeah probably at least i didn't hit an airplane or anything so <laughs> that's but, a plus <laughs> that's a plus but yeah so i kind of i was i was concentrated on there was there was the, there was good spending there was bad spending so the good spending was was the the equipment and i knew the importance of having good equipment the things that help move your business forward and, yeah. and get more clients and yeah. get hype so in, again increasing quality mm. so you could increase the spend per customer yeah. and like you had mentioned we uh or momotoko were the first paying client for you one of the first one of ones. the first yeah. and for me that's that's really cool to hear because i think it's really important to reward people for the work that they do mm. and understanding talent is something that i really try to focus on in my businesses and mm. how i develop my processes and understandings and um so to hear that it's cool because i was be able to i was able to identify you as someone hey this guy's gonna help my business develop and grow yeah you did the same way that you value your equipment because it's directly to re related to your ability to produce income for your business. Mm. So there was, I, I know of a few financial mistakes that you made along the way. Oh, there's, there's, there's a couple of more. <laughs> Elaborate on them a little bit. So, yeah. Of um, course, don't take into consideration the, the poor timing with COVID. No, 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 no. I'm talking about something the, you have a choice over. I'm talking about bowling high. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, like, the thing is, like, as soon as soon as I started noticing, there's more money coming in the bank. And the thing was, was like, you know, it's not just coming out of nowhere. It's coming because of because of the work that you're putting there, and that kind of just even that's you feel even better about that because <laughs> you know that you're just you're actually getting money from from the work that you're doing. And, you know, and, and that's, that's when I kind of thought like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to spend money because the more money I spend, the, the better it's going to be. But it doesn't work the same way as, as for cameras. You know, there's things like offices, 65 inch TV. It's, it's something that, <laughs> you know, brand new Mac, it's something that like, well, actually brand new Mac is a good one, but two of them isn't just a bit of a push because you don't need to. But yeah, there's some things that- Talk about your office space a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I had the I had an office on Casa Mercato, which is a pretty pretty neat area, and uh, and that that was again quite expensive and and it's 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 it, the thing is is like now I have to look back at it and say like I I didn't I did not need to have that 
a hot desk will be enough because all my work is literally done remote yeah. before Corona started. The reason I want to talk about the office is because that's a it's a big thing for entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because you feel like you need a space you can focus and you can you know get into your own mindset and mm-hmm. you know so many entrepreneurs go and spend hundreds per month on an office um this is where co-working has become quite popular mm-hmm. because of the ability to reduce that fixed monthly income of having to pay rent for an office or whatever it might be but people also don't understand when you you know you get an office you got to fill it with furniture mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like mm-hmm. you know what i mean and then it then it becomes about the 65 inch tv that you bought and then it becomes about having like a couch or yeah. a desk and you know the desks aren't, aren't cheap mm-hmm. you know this desk that we have here it's like a electric table so it moves up and down oh, really no this way. this bad boy was like 650 euros <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> no. it's insane it's crazy oh, you know and for, cool. for you know but for entrepreneurs you're like okay i need something ergonomic because i might want to stand up you know so i'm, I'm going to use an electric table okay i need a good office chair it's 200 all of a sudden you've spent you know a couple grand on your on your base furnishings mm. before you've even paid your rent mm. for new businesses and new entrepreneurs like i really suggest avoiding those kind of expenses for the start especially if you have a, a job like you did which is majority remotely done of yep. course you need a good place to edit and stuff like that but we're talking about more based on high quality equipment that you can put in your bedroom mm. you know in your apartment or whatever it might be um rather than having a fixed office space where you feel like you can get creative yeah no that's true but it's also like i always i always think of the hip-hop artists when i think about myself <laughs> so, <laughs> so check this out right the thing is that i was because before before i moved to to uh to helsinki to live uh and before i got the camera i was actually like my work was done at my apartment in saunalati and saunalati is about an hour with the with the commuting and i was editing my photos because like i was taking the photos in in the center and for me to go edit you know it could be uh i had like a very old macbook at the time but you have to go back to sound because you know at home or something like that so i'll go to the library so kind of that drove me to going to like all right well, i'm gonna i want to have like now that i can can do it i want to get the best <laughs> so i went from like completely like there was no middle ground i went from completely from sound latte to editing photos in the center of the city <laughs> <laughs> well so so yeah that's that's i think that's the problem so it's like as soon as you get if you if you if you come from some from such a like um from if you come from a place where there's like without without these certain things or without having too much money and like without having this much equipment or you don't have that much spending money to be given you like you know a fair amount of money to spend you go crazy with it <laughs> well you get excited you i get yeah. it i get excited i got excited so i got a bit carried away and a lot, a lot of entrepreneurs do like especially when you're starting it's an exciting process mm. and there's a lot of exciting things about starting to earn money for yourself and mm. you know not just working a job it's an exciting process and it can be really hard to have that mental resilience to go okay no i don't need this no. all right okay yeah this is something that's going to improve my business and my ability mm. to provide a service okay but i don't need this no. and it's that's very hard to do um and I hope that well, podcasting is something that can really help a lot of entrepreneurs because there's there is this advice on platforms like podcasting mm. now that there wasn't when I started in business. Mm. Um, 
and you know I, I started my first journey as an entrepreneur with a company called silk consulting in australia you know i knew nothing mm. i had managed and run restaurants for a long time and i thought okay i can help i can help restaurants in in their management processes and stuff like this so i started a business and it was really exciting i i was getting good feedback a lot of people wanted to work with me it was a nice. it was a cool thing <laughs> but you get excited and then i was like oh i need business cards yeah i need this i need yeah. that yeah, I need, yeah, you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah, yeah so for for all the entrepreneurs out there just hold your horses yeah hold your horses <laughs> right? I, i'm telling you guys really telling you. <laughs> and, and this is what i really appreciate what you did for me is like when you you kind of taught me the the art of like financing stuff and then like how we went through and had like a excel sheet where you have like how much the actually is going out and going in because the thing is with like some things like insurance some things like um accounting you have a, the payments don't go out every month it may go every three months you know insurance once uh, twice a year so there's different payments that go out once a month it's not like a phone bill that goes out once a month you know you'll get it every month there's always going to be some unexpected well they are expected but for me there was a bit of unexpected payments that were going out so it's kind of like it's very important to do the financing properly so kind of just like no matter what calculate that insurance that you have to pay at the end of in in, in three months put that in your record as well and that's what's like that's like honestly very good advice excel and make sure you kind of control and know be aware of your spending and where is everything going yeah because you can't treat business income the same way that you treat uh salary income right you get your salary on the fifth of every month and blah 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 businesses don't work that way mm. you know what i mean you have a customer that has an invoice to you on this day and he pays five days later and then you're like budgeting for that okay i'm going to get this amount on this day and then you don't and then mm. the, when you do get it there's a big bill that comes all of a sudden you're you're behind mm. you're creating this buffer in your account as an entrepreneur is really important and it's something that we spoke about you know early on and once corona hit probably here in finland it was i think an advantage that you had being able to be flexible and going okay i have to stop now i have to take a step back mm. i need to build myself back up and then mm. start again no. talk a little bit about that what made you know you went from eight clients seven eight nine clients all the way down to zero at one point mm. right mm. because of corona and it, it was uh the thing is like i don't want to completely also blame corona for everything but it was the, the it was it was yeah it was the thing that uh corona had a had a take on it because the restaurants obviously if they're not doing if they're not doing uh they're not doing doing good if they have to close they're not ready to pay the sums that i was looking for but it was also that i as a team and me of course we weren't providing the quality of work that the client was used to so you know when we started there's a couple of months three months four months with the client and then they kind of they see the work that you know and then they see like the difference between the work and the thing is like you have to understand that you know clients can see the quality you know if there's going to be something that changes or they're kind of seeing like oh something's very off like something is not working as it used to be before you know that's what started happening as well and the thing is like if we just like it'll be it was better to just like kind of say okay I'm kind of a need to take a break or 
some clients actually said that like let's let's not continue anymore because we can see that you're too busy with other people as well and you know by being too busy with one client the other client also kind of starts to think like okay he's 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 more about the other client than me i'm not as important even though we probably pay the same price and this this is the thing that kind of like kind of there was like a lot of things started to go wrong so it was good to, to go back to the square one square to the basics as i as i call it with my friends the revolution <laughs> so <laughs> like what it. so what did you do then you you made that decision to go okay i need to take a step back i need mm. to slow things down mm. so you offloaded your staff and your employees yep. and then told told all the businesses that you were working with that you're taking a break yeah yeah um i was i was still i still had the one offshoot but we we stopped doing the social media management because the thing is that it was just uh the it was it was too much to to do at the same time when you're thinking what's your next steps so it's better to just do one-off photo shoots go and do a couple of photos and whatnot and then concentrate on what's what's going to be the next the next step so during that time there was it was it's mostly like well it's going to sound very weird but it's just like me thinking <laughs> just yeah. thinking you know getting rid of the office at the same time like that that wasn't needed like that's again nexus uh getting rid of the office parties that we had which were very fun but <laughs> again uh not not appropriate when you're trying to have a successful business so it's very good that we had this corona time to actually kind of give me a second chance and so because like the thing is like if if there was no corona those the customers can go right back up it's not hard to find 10 customers that will pay you like 200 300 euros i could just drop the part price for everyone and get 20 30 customers for a couple of months but then again like it's just like going back to what i didn't like it's just creating the quantity or some something exactly get, get quantity over quality yeah yeah but it, if you think about it it'll be very easy <laughs> it's, yeah nothing would stop like a person to just like me offering for like 150 euros for, and that might be the right direction for some businesses for some or yeah. you know but for you specifically you decided that okay my passion is here mm. this is how i'm going to monetize it i'm monetizing it by maintaining my quality mm. over the amount of content that i'm putting out mm. you know but so you had you stripped oh, everything back oh, of course oh you stripped everything back yeah. you got rid of the apartment yeah you uh i could have some too for sure just a bit of energy bit of knocko yeah um you stripped like everything back and then you went and got a job right yeah uh this was around the same time yeah yeah and that's i find that really it's awesome so many entrepreneurs go no i'm an entrepreneur now i can't i can't go get a job <laughs> and mm. sometimes you just need to you find yourself in a place where you're like where you go i need to build a foundation in which my business can be successful from and whether that's financial or it's from a mental standpoint for yourself or whatever it might be, having the humility to go, you know what, I can do this. I'm gonna take a step from my business for a second. I'm gonna de-stress myself. I'm gonna go get a job so that I can pay my bills so I can put some money into the bank account and then I'll, I'll restart myself the right way. Do you think that was something that was very good for you to do or would you have rathered struggled those few months not got a job and focused on the business what do you think you would do in the future or or if you had a time machine you would go do again i i think that again i got i got super lucky i got super lucky that i got to 
the opportunity to just get a job straight away. And the thing is, like when I started noticing that, okay, you need to take a little break from from the whole social media and what's happening. So I kind of contacted you and got a job <laughs> pretty much the, the next day <laughs> I was working already. And then the thing is, like, I also got straight away another jo- job offer, but it wasn't like that I applied for it. I was getting lucky to try. And it was, again, in the in the restaurant industry and just like I never applied to that even job. Got offered like a little uh, three month, three month job. I was at one time doing two jobs at the same time. And again, this is me. I sometimes overdo things, <laughs> you know, it's like it, one job is good. Don't do the second one <laughs> like, or like <laughs> try to like try to have some free days. Like yep. this is again and this is what I was doing in London as well. At one point I was working uh, five days at the marketing firm and then two days uh, selling Fujifilm cameras. Just kind of thinking like, yeah, I'll have enough time. I'll have enough time to rest. Like this is nothing. And the thing is, no, <laughs> like you really need those couple of hours or like a couple of days to rest. Like it's especially when you're on the floor working as a salesperson, whatnot, or even when you're working in the restaurant. And then as I was working, yeah, I would I would not change anything. I would just do it exactly how it was done. Maybe I would just do less hours or try not to do two, two jobs at the same time. But yeah, I think it was good. It was good. And then the thing is, it was very good for my business because working in the restaurant, no, I can say I worked in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, as I said, I find it really cool that you were able to take that step back and, and kind of swallow the frog, as some people say, and go, right, I've got to do this hard thing. I've, I've got to take a step back. I've got to just get my, my feet back together. I find that really cool. So the future, what is the future for Best in Hell? Where are you at now? And, and how are you progressing onwards? So... What we're doing right now, we're back on track. Uh, we're doing less social media management. Well, we, we're not taking too many social media management clients. We're going to keep that to a certain limit that we have. Uh, and uh, we're going to be, of course, the uh, one-off photo shoots, one-off video shoots. Lots, lots more videos than before, as you probably noticed already. Lots more videos that we're going to be doing, uh, photo shoots. And um, yeah, I mean, the the I'm not working at the restaurant job anymore. The restaurants here right now in Finland uh, can be open until nine. So this is a great opportunity for me to come back. And I uh, already have like, I started in, uh, in late November with one client to do social media. And that has been going very, very good. The future is going to be more there's a couple of projects with the future. So we have um, my, uh, my one thing I'm going to be concentrating, like one thing I'm going to do is to start filming, start filming like a vlog, like a best in hell vlog. Just because I saw that there's so much opportunity because I mean, you get to meet new people, go to quite exciting places, new restaurants and because I have so many things that I, I witness and see and I meet so many people, I just think like making a vlog would be awesome. And it's also because lots of people have told me that they would want to watch me make a vlog, which kind of, I don't know why, like I kind of never felt that why would anyone want to watch me film something and talk over it. But 
there's actually been a couple of shop owners and restaurant owners that said like i would actually subscribe and watch you like if you had episodes that's awesome yeah so that that's something that i'm kind of planning to do is like have episodes about certain places and it's gonna be like you know just like Andre in hell or something like that we'll call it (laughs) 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 we can play with different names but yeah that'll be one thing Uh, second thing is that i was thinking about is the i told you the token (laughs) yeah yeah this is an interesting topic um just this morning actually i was really i was looking at how restaurants are going to fit into the metaverse i don't don't want to go into this topic too heavily because it stresses me out we we need a month (laughs) we need a month yeah non-stop talking here somebody bringing us coffee and yeah but but i think it's really important for businesses to to plan how they're going to develop into what the future is going to be how they can utilize the tools that are going to come available like what's in the metaverse or utilizing bitcoin or crypto or whatever it might be we had a really interesting conversation once upon a time about restaurants creating an internal financial system, financial system <laughs> yeah. right or currency system which customers could utilize to yeah. you know purchase product etc i find that intriguing How, what are you going to do with let's also talk about the merch but first talk about the coin yeah. what's your what are you doing with that so kind of i was just thinking that uh because anyone can now create their own token but the thing is if you create your own token uh, there's the safety that no one else can create more of those tokens. So if I create, let's say, one million of best in hell tokens, I can be the one spreading them out and giving them to people. But how it would work is like, is that we would have, uh, we would have like trading these coins for. It's 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 like I haven't really completely figured it out how we're gonna do it, but it's it's gonna be something in between helping to recycle certain things, help connecting restaurants with consumers and using those tokens to trade certain services or things or whatnot. And like, it's just like there's, there's, because there's this, I've noticed in restaurants, there's lots of like food waste and what goes on. And there's, um, there's applications, I'm not going to name what application, but you know, that kind of connects the the restaurants who are throwing something out connects it with the consumer and they can you know come and pick it up for a smaller price but the thing is if it's it's already going to the bin as as you say because some restaurants are actually cheating that system as well like in london let's just go off track a little bit in london there was a similar app and um they were saying like okay you can get this pizza from this one like a pizza slice from this one place for like 3.90 because you're about to throw it out and then we, we went there from for for our lunch break with my friend and we get to the place and we're like well we're here we're here from this app um uh like we're here to collect the, the pizza and you know going to waste apparently they're like yeah can you please wait 15 minutes we just have to make a new one <laughs> I was like, that kind of defeated the whole purpose of it so they were just using that for marketing purpose they just got onto the app and then just like in, for marketing, they're using that app for someone else to come and think like they're getting the, the, the slice cheaper, but they're kind of like cheating the system a little bit. But what I was kind of thinking to do is to have some kind of like to have these tokens and trade it. So there is not like things already going to waste. You can somehow trade something and give something in return to restaurants. Haven't figured out. all good (laughs) yeah really 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 interesting yeah the 
what I find what I find really exciting about you as an individual, you are always trying to look forward. And while you know starting a business that was, you know, not your downfall, but mm. it was something that made you get pretty excited, and and perhaps put your business in a position that it wasn't ready to be in. Mm. But one, it's a it's an awesome gift to have is to be able to go you know what i think these coins are going to be something in the future relative to my business Mm. and then go how am i going to do it well i'm not sure yet but i'll figure it out as i go but at least you have that mindset of going this is going to be something i'm going to utilize in the future and as it unravels you go ha that's how i'm going to do it Mm. that's how i'm going to create this you know this system within my business or this is the business that i'm going to create utilizing these new technologies i think that's awesome and to be honest you inspire me also uh i know we've worked a lot together and Mm. i've given you a ton of advice Mm. not all Mm. of it right but you inspire me in that way that i'm like okay the metaverse is coming (laughs) it's coming you know facebook's already changed its name and you know it's happening how is my business going to fit into the new world? Whether it's five years, 10 years, 15 years, it's irrelevant. It's about starting to take the steps into the future and going, okay, this is where it's going. How are we going to utilize this platform to create business for, you know, the services or the, or the restaurant or whatever it is that we do. It's a fascinating subject. It's something that we don't have time to talk about today, but I find really interesting. And I, I appreciate the inspiration that you give me oh, to the trust me, trust me, the loyalty cards. But I also uh, watched today, actually, right before coming here, I was watching some TikTok and Mark Cuban was talking about um, talking about Ticketmaster and how they have like they're selling seasonal tickets through Ticketmaster. And whoever bought, I think it was like whoever bought a season would get like a drop of a random NFT. And then he says people just started trading those NFTs without them even promoting anything. So it was kind of like, it's kind of weird, but like they were just giving something for free from people who are buying seasonal tickets, you know, just a little, it's free. But then people within the community start trading them. And it actually got to the point that <laughs> some some of those NFTs were traded for a higher price than the seasonal ticket. <laughs> So, you know, when you get some, give something people that's unique and can, can be copied, it's really unique and people start trading, crazy stuff can happen. 100%. 100%. This new world is going to be insane, I tell yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. For I, sure. I swear for to sure. God. For sure. For sure. Um, let's talk a little bit about the merchandise because this is something that I, we also had discussed previously. One second. Oh, yeah. Nice. As I said, you're editing this anyway, so. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, One thing that we've discussed previously is how I believe that businesses operate in a very different way these days. Let's talk specifically about restaurants because that's the industry that I'm in. I think the days of restaurants being able to make, you know, good long-term businesses from just having good food uh, are over. There's more to it these days. There's the brand awareness factor. There needs to be multiple streams of revenue, in my opinion, Uh, whether it's delivery services or whether it's in-house dining, whatever it might be. We already realize as a restaurant and uh, as an industry that Vault and Foodora, you know, although they're kind of 
they're the devil you know mm-hmm. and there's it's something that you just you need to have in your business to maintain your sales because otherwise you'd lo- you lose those takeaway customers and i think that the way in which business is developing is you have to recognize multiple streams of income from a brand awareness aspect you can combine different streams of income with the brand brand awareness aspect like merchandise how did this best in hell merchandise start <laughs> and <laughs> and and like where did it come from and then how, yeah talk a little bit about the merchandise so i kind of um since i was in school i really wanted to have my own brand <clears throat> i want i want to have like my own skate brand and like i don't know i just really was into having like something to represent who am i and the thing is that when when this best in hell whole thing started happening my first idea was like if i'm gonna go on to these photo shoots if i'm gonna start meeting potential clients i want to represent i want to be i want people to see kind of who i am it's kind of like having my own uniform makes it easier for a restaurant makes it easier for me but um what i've noticed that like i went to this place called print helsinki and they have really good quality i'm not trying to advertise them too much but (laughs) they have really good quality clothing like the material that they have and i kind of like just you know printed a couple t-shirts you know they did it for a very good price and the t-shirts i would usually buy in skate stores cost like three times more so i was actually technically saving by wearing my own stuff but the thing is like i started wearing it you know it was the it was the black t-shirt with the white logo just like the best in hell logo but after i started wearing it like people would start asking me, like friends would start asking me like, hey, can I, can I get like, it's a cool shirt. Like they heard, they like the whole play on words and stuff. And, and they were just saying like, oh, can I get one? I'm like, yeah, sure. And like I got a couple more, you know, and then it's like, you know, their, their family sees it and they're like, oh, can, can you get us one as well? And then kind of just started like kind of becoming more and more popular in a sense. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like I can even try to maybe sell them as well. Cause I can't just, you know, give it out for free and stuff. So I kind of started selling them as well. And then a person came up to me and was like, what if we make it like, I don't really like the black, can I like make a white one? Sure, let's invert it. <laughs> so, so it's a white t-shirt with the black logo. So now I have two different ones. And at that point I started um, collaborating with this, uh, with the with the store on Boulevard Hetsukoto. It's a very nice store, second-hand luxury store. So we started collaborating, and uh, and he was like, "Oh, I really like like your T-shirts and stuff." I'm like, "Yeah, it's like you know the best in hell." It's like, "Oh, that'll be. I think it'll it'll be good, good, good sell." So, so only by selling not a, not a lot of T-shirts, not like not many. I wouldn't say it's like I would say under 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 fifty T-shirts, and I'm already in the in the store, a physical store being sold, and yeah. And then after that, kind of the whole hoodie started because, you know, we're in Finland and we love hoodies. Like who doesn't love a hoodie and a good quality hoodie? Get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> it can be hard to find good quality hoodies these days, man. Oh, <laughs> you got that one right. Yeah. yeah but it was is the, the thing is, is that it kind of, again, just naturally happened. And it was like it, it just started with with what I really wanted to for myself, like to have a brand and, you know, something that I had wave in the past. Like, I was 12 years old when I wanted to have like a skate brand and 
had this like clothing brand called AU Andre Reverse Gift. It's like <laughs> ow, like you know when you get hurt, it's like ow. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> I can make you one of those t-shirts as well. I would, I would love one of those t-shirts. <laughs> Actually, probably my my son would love one of those yeah. t-shirts. It's pretty much his his life slogan. <laughs> <laughs> it's fact. Um, I find one one thing that's really important to point out is this um, organic development of brand awareness brand awareness you know can be forced on people through things like guerrilla marketing or sponsored advertisement or whatever it might be Mm -hmm. Um, but if you can build the brand awareness from an organic standpoint like people going oh that's a cool shirt oh i want one of those oh that's a cool hat can i have one of those beanies Mm -hmm. oh that's a cool hoodie can i have one of those all of a sudden you've got 30 people repping your brand out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and it costs you nothing Mm -hmm. if anything you made money out of it right (laughs) the weird part about that's the weird part about it and i think if businesses can find and utilize ways to develop organic brand development or or brand awareness i think it's a really important aspect for starting starting new businesses i think it's something that you've done really really well being in in league or or um in collaboration with that store on boulevardi gave you that extra little bit of presence Mm. it's awesome yeah but also again meet new people you're the luckiest guy i know (laughs) <laughs> I'm quite lucky, <laughs> but also like you know the, the meeting meeting new people at the store, or meeting one person in particular at the store also helped me with with picking out different colors, giving me some because the thing is like again about fashion I have no idea what's happening, I don't know how everything works, and he explained to me that just look at the the colors are that are in that season, apparently it changes every 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 season, but also every year so fall is not yellow every my year. style hasn't changed in like yeah, five but, years but, six but, years but here it is out so i would think that yellow is probably a color for fall right like it's just, it just makes sense uh-uh. but it changes year for year so maybe in 2022 fall you'll have a different color that's in that's in trendy light blue oh, <laughs> like, what? that's the crazy part about it could so, be any color <laughs> so that's the that's the crazy thing it kind of all decides what they have on the runways and what 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 fashion industry has so he kind of just gave me an advice that like look at those things like because that's what's going to be trendy and that's what people are going to look out for and that's what major stores going to have when they have their collections or whatnot they will use those colors so by having those colors as well person walks past or like sees the t-shirt in the store and just thinks like oh like okay this is actually cool because i see lots of mustard yellow everywhere so now i see the best in hell is doing it as well so i just kind of like i don't want to buy a jacket i don't want to buy this but i I can buy this so this is crazy like you you meet new people and they just give you advice yeah and that's that's what i love i would never I, i like swear to god i would never know that they have like a color that changes every year every year I'm like what who would have known no <laughs> i was wondering why i walk in the shops and i'm like why is it nothing i like here i wear black gray and dark blue that's me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. actually this this people say green looks good on me so i've yeah. been wearing green shirts lately no, i don't know why it's nice it's only my wife and my kids say that but that's enough <laughs> hey really 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 interesting um it's awesome to see how your business has to you know developed how you de- developed as an entrepreneur the adjustments that you've changed and the way you've pivoted through COVID, it's been a tough time for everybody. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Where do they find all your content? Talk a little bit about that. So um, we have a website, www.bestinhell.com. That's with one L. 
that's the play on words, guys. <laughs> but yeah, www.bestinhell.com. You can find us there. There's a contact me form. You can also see the portfolio there, but you can also get to our social media links through there. And yeah, Instagram, best in hell and websites. So follow me and write to me an email. I'll come back to you and give you the best quote. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Bam. Sponsored by. Uh, absolutely. I can, you know, I, I love your, your work. You're Thank a fantastic you. guy to work with. The quality of your work has always been, you know, fantastic. So I recommend for anybody out there looking to improve their content, whether it be for your website or your social media or your product photography, get in touch with Andre and uh, yeah, please give him a shout. Awesome. Good Thank you once again. Thank mate, you. Mate, I appreciate it. <laughs> Second time. <laughs> hey, I really, really appreciate um, Thank you. you coming. It was great to have a, another conversation with you. Awesome. Actually, we changed some subjects, which was... We did. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you.